welcome to episode 159 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke, all alone here at the Oaken Table, but joined on the line by Carl Jones. Good evening, everybody. And Kieran O'Rourke. Hello, can you hear me? <laughs> I, I, I hope that the audio levels are good enough for, for the loyal listeners, because uh, this has been a long time coming. The first show of 2020 for us three to get together here. It has been that long, uh, but we are here today to talk about AEW's Double or Nothing that took place uh, on Saturday. Uh, obviously, a lot to talk about. Before we get into the, uh, the, the bulk of the show, and obviously kind of a little bit of a, a general chit-chat about how things have been, uh, I do want to get to a little bit of housekeeping real quick. So, uh, for those who have not heard, for the last three weeks, we finished up our uh, History of 1990, the WWF series. Myself and Kyle Ross uh, finished that up. So, if you haven't heard that, you can go to the archives at squaredcirclegazette.com, where we archive every show we've ever done. You can check those out there. And also, uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash scgradio, is the place to go for updates on the show. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a while. Carl, first and foremost, as I see on this uh, Skype recording, with a large beer in hand, nothing's changed. No, well, you say nothing's changed, but then in a lot of ways, for me, with my sort of routine and how I've got everything down to just the smallest detail, you could say everything's changed because this isn't just some typical beer I'm drinking here. I've very much gone on a an IPA kick since uh, lockdown commenced. Oh, I saw you're one of them. Yeah, so I've, you know, I've sort of IPAs. I'm burning things in the back garden. I have a chainsaw now. I don't shave as frequently. <laughs> you know, uh, get me, get me, get me a plaid shirt, and uh, off to the races we go. So, what are you drinking today? This is Brake Spear or Brack Spear, which I'm assuming is to try and be some sort of clever play on Shakespeare. You know, it doesn't really hit the note, to be honest. But uh, yeah, you know, it's all right. It's uh, only 4.6, so you know I don't want to get hammered whilst I'm spewing out these hot takes about the AEW pay-per-view, but it uh, just you know keeps me nicely going along. Right. And you're working gonna... from home, right? By the way, uh, yeah, I've been working from home since March, so basically the dining room that I'm in now has more or less been the the office space, apart from when I uh, leave to go on lovely site visits where people seem to do their best not to uh, maintain the old social distancing. Which brings me to Kieran, who I believe is still having to go to the office every single day. Is that still correct? Every fucking day. <laughs> oh. Have you got a? Have you got a? Have you got a, a hazmat suit with like the the, the, the company logo? There? No, they didn't give me a hazmat suit. They gave me a big fuck you and a kick in the ass. Told me to get in the office, then asked me to fill out a survey if I'm happy about it. Shortly after giving me a small bottle of very cheap hand sanitizer. <laughs> Thanks, work. You fucking <laughs> assholes. So no, my life hasn't changed at all, at all. Well, it's good to know that lockdown isn't getting to you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am going to call shenanigans first of all, Carl, on this perpetuation of yours of this gimmick that you're some kind of Middle England cowboy. We both know. <laughs> Middle no, England cowboy. Stop, stop, stop! We both know this is true. With that said, let's go to Double or Nothing, because this is a, a pretty interesting show. Overall thoughts before we get into the minutiae of breaking down uh, the event. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the way that this was kind of executed, the build-up in the, in the, uh, in the previous uh, eight weeks or so, obviously with the, uh, with the lockdown TV taking place. So, Carl, pay-per-view alone, your overall thoughts? Well, just generally, sort of before, before the pay-per-view, it's, it's one of those where... I'm almost loath to 
criticised too much, let, let's say, of, of any company in the in the current climate. And sort of I've gone with the stance of they're putting forward um, sort of yeah, as, as best they can with the restrictions they've had. So I've always tried to not be too critical of things. Um, as far as the, the pay-per-view itself, just sort of a, a general broad brush, um, I thought it was mostly solid. I've, I've heard a bit of feedback since, uh, since I finished watching it today from a few people who I think have maybe given it a bit too much praise because there, there were uh, a couple of things on there that I didn't really care for and we'll, we'll get to those as, as we go on. But uh, I'd say on the whole, a solid effort. Kieran, what do you think? Oh, about the pay-per-view? Yeah, broadly. Um, my general feeling was it was it was a fun show. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it um, a lot. <laughs> First of all, I mean, the business isn't pro wrestling without fans. I mean, people keep banging on about, you know, how shows aren't as good and stuff. The crux of the business is working a live audience or which translates to the audience at home so it's not fucking pro wrestling first of all so it's yeah it is a completely different beast to anything we've been asked to judge previously because it's a completely different set of um parameters really um as for the show itself i enjoyed i enjoyed most things i enjoy most things aw do because they put thought into most things they do so there's some enjoyment to be gleaned from it um, like throughout this, like the last two months, really, there's stuff when in, in the build up to the tournament, there was some nice booking. So that I mean, as the shortfalls that they've had, um, I, I, at least I can enjoy them attempting to work around problems and solve problems and come up with solutions, um, try, try and create some smoke and mirrors for themselves. So, as a general thing of AW, I do enjoy the effort they put in to problem solving. Um, I mean, this is a broad stroke from just in general again, but the way they produce their their their, their products as, as a whole, with turning down ring mics, turning up announcers, getting the announcers to work harder than they did before um, the pandemic went down, um, is the polar opposite effect to what WWE does, where they jack up the ring mics, try to create an atmosphere, um, they, because the commentary is so fucking asinine anyway. That hasn't <laughs> changed. It's exactly the same. So the emphasis on that just that stands out more. So the emphasis is on the in-ring talent to create some kind of atmosphere, and it, it's fucking embarrassing. It's an embarrassment to the business hearing guys talking the ring like that. So, so I, I can't. And the fact that the WWE stuck with that method is just is galling. It shows how they don't look at problems and problem solve. Um, so that's a segue. I know uh, taking a shot at WWE, but as an overall, what I do enjoy about the, the AW product, how they attempted to problem solve during this 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 problem period is um i think that's you know that's something to behold on itself in terms of the show um i enjoyed most things um i mean some of the matches were overbooked i think a lot of the matches went longer than needs to go but generally um it was a lot of fun i probably haven't laughed out loud as much throughout a show in recent memory so um you know I, i'm not gonna knock it and uh, the stuff stuff that could have been better stuff was raw some stuff didn't work um, and was maybe the priorities were all conceived. We'll come to that. Uh, but generally, I enjoyed the show. Yeah, I, I kind of echo pretty much most of those sentiments. I do think that AEW has done a far superior job to WWE over the last uh, couple of months in actually adapting to the situations that they're in. Um, obviously, I'm sure this show was not going to look this way originally. Um, 
but I think that all things considered, they did a fairly admirable job. I didn't think that the go home show was the best uh, that they've done. And I think they kind of made up for that a little bit on the countdown show, which we won't go into too much. But uh, the one hour countdown especially on TNT, I did like the way that they kind of uh, bounced around a little bit and kind of got a little bit more added focus. They've got so many capable talkers in the company who feel like they've got credibility. It's really easy to watch those countdown shows. And even just the video package, they're so much more easily digestible than WWE's, which kind of, you know, their production very much feels very formulaic. Uh, formulaic. That, I think formulatic's not even a word. Formulaic is the word I'm, I'm reaching for. They, they have their patterned style and nothing feels authentic. Whereas AEW, there is still that kind of feeling of authenticity. So, and I like that in the countdown show. Even in the pre-show, where they, you know, they they had just you know a, a quick Jake promo with Lance Archer, um, you know, smashing toilets with a sledgehammer. Even then, like there was this just little bits like that where it's like I like I like the effort that they put into it. Uh, moving to the pay per view, we'll kick it off with a match that probably is one of the ones I would imagine Kieran you're originally thinking of here that maybe went a little bit longer than it needed to. The Casino Ladder Match, uh, Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Orange Cassidy, Carl's favorite wrestler, uh, Darby <laughs> Allen, Joey Janela, Colt Cabana, Luchasaurus, and Brian Cage as a uh, man number nine with Taz uh, playing off obviously what they'd done on Dynamite for the last couple of weeks with Taz trying to give Darby Allen tips that he would ignore. Uh, overall thoughts on the match and, and and any kind of individual takes on the participants and the way it flowed. We'll start with Carl on this one. Um, well, when I sort of started earlier with the notion of there were there were plenty of things on the show that I thought was solid and, and one or two things that I didn't enjoy and, and the ladder match unfortunately falls definitely definitely into the category of things that I didn't particularly enjoy um, and it's I guess it's uh, well for a start I think nine is too many people um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the of the of the of the two minute format really uh, at times it was quite sloppy and there's a, there's always the danger of that happening with a ladder match but it was just one of those things that I I think sort of just generally it felt a bit sloppy I, I don't know if that's how I'd want to introduce Brian Cage myself I mean uh, don't get me wrong the, the, everyone in it was working hard I was convinced Darby Allen was going to you know die at some stage if, if not from uh from jumping off the ladder with the skateboard to the uh, to being flung out into the ladder by Cage towards the end, so uh, I haven't heard anything on like that. But I'm hoping he's still in one piece because they've uh, they've been dropping a few with injuries lately, such as uh, the reason that Joey Janela was in the match in the first place. But um, I, I I see what they were going for with Allen and the the knee injury. That it seems like he's sort of the the one person in the match they were they were trying to protect and give sort of a an out to not for, for not winning because obviously prior to this he he had been building momentum generally and he had been one of the one of the original members of the roster who sort of felt like he was, he'd really gained some traction since the company inception but so I think in that sense they they protected they protected him about as well as they could. Uh, and just one other thing in the match that I wasn't overly keen on, and this is a bit of a critique I've got of Luchasaurus in general. Uh, I get he's agile. Uh, you know, he, he's there's obviously things he's very good at doing, but I don't really want to see the uh, the contrived sort of 
striking contest, as I'll call it, between him and Cage, when you sort of have two people like that in the ring together, and I sort of sit there and watch and think, it just looks a bit, well, sort of naff, for lack of a better term. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not... I appreciate I'm probably not conveying this as well as I would like, which is awesome, yeah, which is awesome for a podcast. It's just what you want for audio. But it's just... I, I don't know if maybe you two can, can sort of explain it better than I can, but it was just one of those things where you've you've got these two sort of beasts who are going to tee off on each other, and I'm seeing pirouettes and jumps and thigh slapping from the dinosaur, and I just think, <laughs> you know, there's, you know, that that could have been that could have been quite a nice little sort of moment in the match, and it just it just sort of missed the mark for me. <laughs> All righty, Kieran, thanks to you. Uh, broad thoughts on the match. We've got a kind of a separate discussion to have afterwards about the the notion of brian cage as the winner uh, yeah. which i want to get your thoughts on but before we get to that your thoughts on the match itself um i actually prefer the luchasaurus looching around um with brian cage over anyone else because luchasaurus although i love the guy um and he's fun and he'll probably get over when crowds are allowed he does move at 70% pace. It's like he's sparring in a gym. He's at 70% speed when he's throwing these little kicks and stuff. And Brian Cage is very similar So they, because of his natural bloatedness. Um, so I'm not sure how natural that is. Uh, well, okay, I, I meant as a natural side effect of his unnatural bloatedness. Um, <laughs> just to clarify. Um, so I, I, I don't have... I mean, the context... I, I completely get the point. But at the end of the day, those guys are going to do those move sets, and I think they look less offensive doing it on other people who move at their speed um, compared to guys who fly like you know, Luchasaurus doing um, a seventy percent speed kick against Ray Phoenix. I know he's not in this match, but it's just an example against Ray Phoenix who could dive out the way and do five backflips by the time he's throwing the kick. I just that's that's hard to believe than Cage for me. Um, in terms of the match. I, it was really disjointed. Yeah, nine was too many. Um, nine with too many intervals was too many. Um, six would have been fine given the amount of outside interference that was going to be involved anyway. Um, it was just, it was, yeah, it was quite disjointed. It was, um, it was like I, I didn't hate it, but for a number one contender for the world title. Um, it was a bit too lower cardy in presentation, execution, and entrance for me. Can I, can I just ask, just in terms of, of the format and, and going forward, because it's not something that was overly clear to me, and maybe it's maybe I've missed something on commentary, or maybe I'd missed something when I was doing a sort of a, a quicker recap of shows to get up to speed before the pay per view. I'm assuming that Cage winning this, he just gets a standard number one he's a number one contender he gets a title shot they're not trying to play off any sort of money in the bank scenario here of cashing the chip in are they thankfully they aren't a uh, shit-ass bush league company who copies everything wwe does and they are not doing money in the bank oh good yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so no it's fighter fest i said it's a fighter fest that's when he's getting to cash it in yes his match is at fighter fest so it's a standard title match um but yeah, so uh, now I was kind of a little bit anxious, not knowing what was going to happen with the uh, with the mystery guy, because when I looked at the lineup, the only person who I really wanted to get near the sphere of Moxley was Phoenix, because Darby, I think, should be a slower burn. And 
you know, Phoenix as a, as a, as a challenge could have been nice for you to come off a spectacular performance. And I was a little bit down on the idea of a new guy coming in and getting the match with Moxley because that's kind of what they've done with Brody Lee. So I do want your thoughts on what you kind of feel about the decision to have Brian Cage come straight in, straight for a title match. Well, it was something I was going to touch on a little bit when we got to the other matches, but uh, we'll, you know, jump into it now for for the uh, for the suitable question. There, it's um, concerning. Might be too strong, strong a word, but it it is it is curious. I'll I'll say only in the sense of as you've touched upon there, they've bought Brody Lee in and, and quickly put him in there with Moxley. They've quickly bought sort of Lance, Ar- Lance Archer and put him in that I know it was done with the, with the tournament as the backdrop sort of a programme with Cody and, and a title um, at stake and so yeah it's because one of those things and you know, spoiler alert for anyone who's listening to the show obviously you've had the scenario of Brody Lee losing you know within, within relatively short order of coming into the company you've now had Lance Archer losing within relatively short order of coming into the company. I just think if you sort of go, th- you know, you're going to end up going three for three there. And so you sort of, it's, it's don't get me wrong. You're not, you're not really cutting the guys off at the knees, so to speak, but you know, it sort of, it halts any possible momentum or any traction they could get, gain. And so uh, I just wondered by the same token, would you want to do that to cage? Cause obviously the alternative is, him winning the title, and I'm very much not in favour of that. Kieran, your thoughts? Um, I totally agree, um, obviously, with the sentiment that going into Double or Nothing with... I mean, the gimmick with Bradley, which they push themselves as they... Although he's impressive, he doesn't deserve a title shot, um, and he's backdoored his way due to the circumstances, and they kind of play that off. Um, so that was all fine. To then go to Brian Cage straight away, even just as the challenger, just I wasn't happy with that. Um, just in, 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 so it's, it's but it's all fantasy booking. So you think, and it's that's okay. You're looking at that, and it's just so abrupt. There's not real gravitas. You, you, you it's almost like you, you're wheeling in challenges, and then it dawns as how do, how, do, how do you spell the breakdown of this thought process? Um, when you look at the rest of the card for this. So we were thinking, who could the ninth man be? So you think it should be a an, an established guy, and that's when you floated MJF. Yeah, um, yeah. So when we're coming up with the, the, the you know the picking the, the um, predictions for this show, it all you know the MJF match was was the pinnacle one for me, and I thought if he loses, and I I thought the way it was set up, he looked like he might lose to Jungle Boy. So I'd only have him lose it. He's going to win the world title. He's he is going to be the the, the third world champion. Um, and as Liam predicted, you know the, the brother of the prophet Jesus, strong Jesus. <laughs> um, Moving off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's 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 with priorities and MJF. I think for this company is going to be the priority. And so to, to have him lose when it looked like he's going to lose to Jungle Boy, that would only make sense to me if. He was going to come out somehow and backdoor his way in and win that ladder match later in the show, um, because you need to, you need to give me shine backs. You need to the, the shine back and the distraction straight away. Um, so and you know, so you got Jungle Boy who's got the, 
the, the, the victory over this one guy, over the guy who's now the number one contender and the number one, you're not going anywhere near him. That's all gravy. When the ladder match was on first, it was like, okay, so Operation MGF isn't happening now. But he's, uh, he's, he's taking the title, uh, is it all out, September? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's sure as shit going to take the title then. So I think what they're going to do is, and it's a long scenic route to answer the question for the world title, they're going to stack up challenges for Moxley to knock down for the next for four months' time, um, and then he's going to drop the belt to MJF after he's gone through everyone. Um, so if that's a priority, then I'm not really too bothered about Cage losing when he comes in. That He'll get the push, he'll get the shot, and then he'll be fine. It's just one loss. In terms of the protection of the belt, I was a, I was a lot happy with him winning, being with Taz. Um, that raises stock a lot for me. And just in terms of continuity of the title as well, it just it meant it's a little thing, but it's continuity to the product with the guy there. There's some kind of follow-over. So I would... Um, putting him with Taz did ease that, scratch that itch a little bit. Um, and I kind of rationalised the quick turnaround with, I think they're just stacking up challenges for MGF um, when he takes a title in September. Yep, I think I'd agree with that. Uh, overall thoughts on the match? I, I you know... I think the format when you when you got a format where you're going to get 14 minutes in before the last guy's in, and then it felt like a whole separate match at that point too. Yeah, I think this kind of went longer than it needed to, but I think that people look good in it. Um, and when it was all said and done, I guess it was kind of mission accomplished in the sense that yeah, I do like the Taz Cage combination. I was actually kind of scared they were going to give it to Scorpio Sky when they did that video a couple of weeks ago with him kind I of never- yeah, really focusing on him yeah. individually. Like he's going to, and it's like, are they going to have him like shove Kazarian off? Is that why they're both in this match and he's going to like, I, take it himself? I thought they were going to start something between them. That's why I never mentioned him on the bill because we we were talking about okay, we're looking for a, probably an established a, a current guy. If before we thought about you know that with Mox just running through people, um, so you're looking at guys in the match. Then it was for me it was only Derby or this MGF fantasy, and obviously the other one in the match who. The fear was score. Um, but I never mentioned him because I thought they're not going to repeat what they did with him before. So if they're going to push him, it'll be in a heel format. And I think they'll start the, they'll tease it first. So I expect them to tease a split between them two um, in that ladder match, which they never did. Well, well, you say that there, there's the spot with the chair. So I'm, oh, assuming they, I'm assuming they will play off that going forward because obviously Kazarian turns around and thinks it's Scorpio Sky. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that was just for the match, though, because, I mean, I'm sure they've, I mean, it, it, was, it was just a little bit of friction, uh, a bit of uh, tension in the match, conflict in the match. I mean, it, logic says they've just seen a replay and saw it, what, and he saw it wasn't um, Scorpio hitting him with the chair. So it, I think that's just a, just a short little bit of storytelling for the match itself. So moving on to MGF's actual match that he did have with Jungle Boy. I loved this match. MJF is fucking brilliant. And Jungle Boy is... These two got great chemistry together. I was happy that MGF won this match because the one thing I don't want this company to fall into the trap of, and I know that this kind of became a bit of a topic of conversation in some of the uh, the post-show reviews that I've heard, basically talk about how they could have had Jungle Boy win here and MGF would have been fine. And I don't subscribe to that book in theory. No, I think if, no, if you go, if you go no, in with no, a guy, no. you don't 50-50 it, you go all the way, you treat him like he's a star, you don't handcuff him along the way. Um, MGF wins clean. I thought this, as, as a match, was as strong as anything on the show. 
I will um, I will completely echo those sentiments. Um, I'd say it's probably the match I enjoyed the most. And with regards to MJF as an individual, he absolutely does not lose to anyone. If if, if the plan, as 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 you suspect, Kieran is is winning the belt in September, he sure as shit doesn't lose between now and then. You put the belt on him, it gives him all the credibility to continue to be a smug prick, which I must say, he does a fine job of being. <coughs> um, and for me, his first defeat presumably doesn't come until a return match with Cody some way down the line. Hmm. Mm, your overall I, thoughts here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so just, just to clarify quickly, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying to play not fancy booker, but trying to project ahead in that sense of that's where I think they'll go. I don't think it'll be Cody because I don't think there's any, there's as much payoff for Cody in that. I think Jungle Boy is the guy to be, is the absolute perfect guy to beat MGF eventually or at some point. Uh, it's, it's not even a point of eventually, it's when you're pulling the trigger on him. If you're pulling the trigger in four months' time, then that's not the right amount of time to give him a loss, a mid card loss, and then heat him up without. For me, the absolute the only way he should have lost this match is if, as we said, he was going to win the same night he was coming out of that ladder match somehow with some bullshittery with the with the chip as the number one contender. So on the same night, you, you, the Owen Hart thing. You, so the the very I know <laughs> maybe not the best example in terms of get, making a guy a star, but in terms of protecting the guy and opportune time to push on, if you he, he could only beat MGF on Saturday if MGF was leaving that show with the immediate distraction and he's ignoring the, 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 the JB, the JB loss loss. And that's the, the, the asterisk that's there the whole time. And he just moves on with his life. Uh, he will be his eternal dance partner, but with four months to go to these win the title, you can't call him and then bring him down back up. You need to just keep him strong. You need to keep him as hot as he could possibly could be. Um, and then you give him, you know, the the, J, the Jungle Boy can get a win over him when he's the champion or um, to do the Ric Flair gimmick. Um, but absolutely, no, you can't. It's Jungle Boy needs the win, but he's not the priority. You're not doing anything. You're not launching him. You, 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 don't 50-50 WWF, WWE bullshit this. Um, yeah. And and whilst, whilst there's a lot... To, I don't. It's not a case of me trying to downplay this much. And obviously, there's there's a lot of potential in Jungle Boy, but he's not he's not someone they've booked strongly in terms of wins and losses up to this point. Really, he's you know he's been he's been part of the sort of he's been part of the fifty fifty club in many respects. But he's sort of he's spoken about as a as a blue chipper as a prospect, and you know you, you had sort of Jr. touching it. We're talking about. Him as tenuous as it may be, the 30 for 30 and, and the whole Ric Flair thing with his dad being a producer on it. So, you know, trying to, and tying in that sort of deep, I think deep wrestling family was the, uh, might've been the line that JR used. I'm, I might be sort of uh, mischaracterizing his phrase there. Touch, yeah. But, yeah, I like but, that but, too. But it's that sort of thing where, so obviously, you know, they're, they're putting these, these sort of, references in you know he's getting plenty of shine in matches so he, he's clearly being positioned as sort of in, in inverted commas one for the future but yeah from the way he's been booked up to now it, it's just it was too soon for for him to get that win i think and i i also must say i like the way you know sort of 
in a lot in a, in a very sort of straightforward matter of fact sense you, if you if you're pushing MJF strongly you might have just had him win completely clean decisively but but I, I liked I liked the way this match ended in the sense of you know there's he, he wasn't sort of it wasn't overly nefarious the way in which he won but it's 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 that quick pin it's that flash pin it's that sort of uh, oh the you know the, the the jammy bastard type of thing that just you know that that sort of plays well into the character because you know he'll just be smug and a prick about it and he'll he'll inflate how emphatic the victory was so I, I think that's a I think that was a nice touch. Yeah, I love the way they wrestled the match too. A lot of kind of uh, unique stuff in there. I did like the uh, the spot that I think I first saw on the British Revival show that the FWA did on Bravo with the uh, the upside down kind of uh, crab that they were in together. They started slapping each other in the face in the in the early go, and that was pretty good stuff. But uh, yeah, very unique match, and I liked that they were put in a position to go this long and deliver a match that felt like it was like a, a semi main event main event level match. Well, I, I don't think anyone struggled for time on this show. <laughs> got, that, that, that's um, not really something you have to worry about in AEW, I don't think. It's, it's the opposite. Um, but I thought this was the best match on the show. It was, it was the match I never thought at any point, this has gone too long now, or they've, they, they've missed the peak. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was the best match on the show anyway. And, and one thing I would say, just following up on that, is that um, <clears throat> even sort of matches with the best of intentions, without that crowd dynamic, as, as we sort of talked about, it can feel like even something that would necessarily translate well in front of a crowd sometimes misses that mark. And as you're trying to watch it, it can, even if it's not bad, it can feel like a, a little bit of a slog, if that's fair to say. And I would definitely say in, in defence of those two, that that match wasn't the case. Yeah, you know, it sort of flowed. It, you know, you, I didn't, whilst, whilst, you know, it did, it did go a while and probably longer than it would have, would have gone under normal circumstances. But by the same token, they carried it and it was enjoyable throughout. Yeah, um, moving to uh, one of the most hype matters on the show now. Uh, I was actually surprised to see it this early. Cody and Lance Archer uh, with Arn, Jake and Mike Tyson looming around at ringside. While um, staying awake. <laughs> while staying awake. <laughs> and I'm not sure which one of those I'm more surprised about, to be quite honest, judging from the uh, the clip we got of Tyson and, and Arn's general looking like he needs to lie down. But... Uh, <laughs> He's just had his Sunday dinner and needs a fat nap when he Bullshit. <laughs> but I really like the dynamic with Arn and Cody. I really like the dynamic with Jake and Archer. And uh, yeah, your, your thoughts on the match in general? Because I do. I, this did feel like one that Cody needed to win, even though I was kind of had an eye on Archer possibly winning. But it felt like with the build-up and everything they had done, it felt like the right outcome to me. Um. I'm I'm st- I'm still not sure on that. I'm, it's I I haven't quite made my mind up to be honest. It's I I absolutely agree with the, the sentiment that Cody needed needed a needed a win on a, on a big show on the basis of the way that the, the pay per views have gone up to now. You know he can't keep losing on pay per views. Eventually, it do, eventually it it does undercut him somewhat. So he needed the win, but I just I, I don't think I'd I'd have had. Lance Archer being beaten so quickly, and I suppose when, when when you do a tournament and when you get to that point, you've you've got to go with one of those resolutions. But I just wonder if it's one of those things that I w- I would have avoided having them together at this stage, and and may- maybe they wouldn't have done that again if, if if going with the dynamic of 
if they had all their options available and that sort of thing, you know, they're, they're, obviously everyone's planning has taken a bit of a hit in recent times. Um, but I think if if you're going to have Cody win, I don't I don't really see any harm in him getting a sort of a a quick pin. I, I know it would come across as a bit of a fluke sort of thing, but I but but if you're going to have Archer lose, I think I'd have liked to have seen him protected a little bit more than he than he was with the way it ended. Um, I. I enjoyed the match for the most part. I, it's one of those where, for a long stint of it, they're clearly having they're, they're trying to have Cody fight from un, from underneath against the bigger guy. But it, it is one of those that sort of is miss is missing the element of the crowd in that sense. When you when you when you when you're telling the story of the smaller guy fighting from underneath, to not have that emotion of the crowd, it means it just misses. It, you know that that little extra ingredient isn't isn't there, and that's not a knock on those two. It's it's the circumstances of the moment. But uh, but but again, you know, I'd say it's a at the very it was a solid match, and I uh, and I did enjoy the uh, I, I did enjoy the uh, despite your, your comments about Arn there as uh, disgraceful as they were, Liam. <laughs> I still has a gate you can be proud of. Um, I, I did like the uh, the interplay with uh, things like the DDT and the spine buster and, and Arn and Jake's reactions and and the way Arn kicks off when he's when he's uh, thrown out by the ref and that's yeah so those those nice little touches as well which just gave it you know something a little bit extra. Kieran, what do you think? Um, I really wasn't high on Lance Archer. Uh, <laughs> We've never been big fans. I've never been since the fucking day I went to I dragged my ex to TNA <laughs> and I stood up and cheered when I thought Tito Ortiz was coming out and it was Lance uh, Lance Hoyt. Um, I've never. Can I figured... just ask? Can I yes. just ask quickly? Yes. Um, the fact that you're talking about Lance in that context and you said the ex there are the two related in any way? Is that a, 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 the, the two sort of mesh? She's your uh, ex because she's your ex, but you're, is she your ex because you made her watch Lance? Is what I'm trying to get at. Um, no, it's because I made okay. a. It's because I made a key for three hours um, of the holiday to go and watch TNA. So you know, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I can, I, I can, I can sort of give it the defence there. To be honest, well, I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be around me after that decision. So <laughs> really, uh, fine. Um, yeah, as I was saying, <laughs> wasn't it? But I think he's. Been, he's done great in the role. I thought he was fantastic in the match. Um, I love him and Jake together. Um, on the countdown show, they, they they cut out Jake not being directly talking about Lance, and it was a, so it just came together. The package of those two just seemed even better than it has been. So I, I was big on them. I was really 50 50 on the outcome of this match because, yeah, Cody needs it because. He's such a strong baby face, and you've got to give him something. Otherwise, he's a fucking prick. He's a wetter. Um, <laughs> but um, but at the same time, Archer's. I just he's 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 worked better than I gave him credit for working. So <laughs> prove me wrong. Um, so yeah, automatically think he gets pushed. Um, but I didn't. Yeah, in terms of protection for the finish. It's. I haven't got really got well. It, my, my problem wasn't the finish itself. It was just more the flow of the whole finish. Once they broke down to the old guys, um, they 
Jake, neither of them really had a lot at ringside. So it's like you've got them there. You have them there for the, the build, for the gimmick. And then you feel like you have to pay them off, but maybe just don't bring them ringside. Um, you know, just establish that. You don't need it. Because it, it, it was just extra extra storytelling that really took away, took, took me out at the end of the match, to be honest. Hurt the flow at the end of the match. Um I mean, in terms of work, I mean, although I would say Archer was great, I, I probably I didn't get the uh, the Brock Lesnar sense waste. We really sells his ass off to show he's in peril. That's the one thing um, I, I didn't believe as well, um, which hurt the match. I, I did enjoy it. It was just it felt the heat felt a bit too long in context of then they kind of nullified it quick, as I said just then. Um, but um yeah, in terms of the finish, it was they're going to go separate ways. I think Archer will get rehabbed, and then he'll be another bowling pin for uh, Moxley to knock over before September. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if that's go if this ends here. It seemed decisive in the sense of Cody just beats him clean with his finish twice. Like in my head, like you say, it was going to be kind of Cody maybe getting the uh, kind of the flash victory, and then on Dynamite, Archer and Jake come out pissed off and start destroying people trying to kind of get a rematch which may end up still being the direction who knows but well, very much they, felt like they're going separate ways when they announced the um battle royal um for dynamite this week for the number one contender for, for the tna T, tnt title used to say um i'm just gonna call it the tv title carl is that okay uh, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, on the base that there isn't another mid-card belt i'll allow it okay thanks um <laughs> so um uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, so when they announced the battle royal, um, that was a sign to me that they want these as a segue to very quickly move on to a new story for Cody and allow Archer to do his thing as well. Alrighty. So, um, by the way, what did you think of the actual belt? Well, my first thought was, and bearing in mind, I'm not a big fan of the. WWE belts these days for for some context. My initial thought was, is there a worse belt I've seen? <laughs> now, in fairness to them, they did quickly co- cover that up by saying that the belt wasn't finished yet. Yeah, uh, that was mentioned on commentary, which makes me think, if the belt's not finished, maybe don't parade that piece of crap. Bullshit. I, I call bullshit on that. Cody looked. <laughs> Cody took one look at that title and thought, fuck that. Let's just tell them it's unfinished and then we'll bring out a new one that's completely different colour, size, shape, and just claim it's the same one. You're so mistrusting, Kieran. Uh, I just I just see the world differently, Carl. <laughs> let's see if you let's see if you see the world differently to why do on this next match as Penelope Ford takes on Chris Statlander. Um I Penelope Ford. We don't need to talk about this match too much because there wasn't really too much to say about it. Penelope Ford's one of those funny ones where it's like you can tell she's like got some natural athleticism, and then you can also tell she's got naturally terrible timing. Just the way she was throwing those forearms at times. Yeah, she's just got a very kind of clunky. It's funny, like she's she's athletic, but she's clunky at the same time. It's quite a, it's quite a fine art she's got down there. Jeez. I was surprised she didn't. I was surprised she didn't win this one, honestly, because Britt Baker is going to be out for a couple of months, and I feel like if, and especially considering that she'd have won the title, it's like they need a, a female heel. So I was stunned that she didn't win this. Uh, it's it's all much of a muchness. <laughs> it's just, get Riho back. 
Yeah, I'm not a big Statlander fan yet. I, I'm not into Statlander. I, I, I hear some people are giving her mad props, and I just think she's bang average. So, no, not for me. Yeah, it's it's one of those where... Big bang to, average. To, use... <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to steal Kieran's phrase, uh, much of a muchness, I, to, I, I tend to view the, the women's division on the whole in, in that regard um, outside of outside of uh, Baker before the injury and, and Nyla Rose being something obviously standing stand, sticking out like a sore thumb from a physical aspect uh, on the women's roster it's I, I'm not I was trying to, you know it's one of those to, to give it some sort of context Liam when you say you're surprised that um, Ford didn't win because they need a heel, which which I I agree with as a, as a sentiment. It's one of those where I was quickly trying to think. Well, no, yeah, maybe you wouldn't do. You wouldn't. It wouldn't be Ford because you would go with. And then my mind just went completely blank because I, I honestly couldn't name someone else you would go with as an alternative. Maybe you can help me out there. The only other one, and the only other people that are really kind of players at really any level are people who are kind of like abroad like they were trying to push B Priestley for a little while there and she's in New Zealand so I don't think she's going to be back anytime soon um, and I can't think of anybody else that seems like an immediate opponent for Sheeda now so I guess maybe they'll do Statlander and, and Sheeda who knows but I'm, I'm terrified of Statlander's finisher as well by the way that seems like a broken neck waiting to happen that, yeah that, that's, that's got and, and bearing in mind she rightly or wrongly I, I've not really seen enough to judge but she's got a re- does she not have a bit of a rep for being a little sloppy with things? She's she's generally pretty hit and miss, yeah. So I'm I'm just thinking with that in mind and that as a finish, you think yeah that could go uh, that could go uh, all all different kind of uh, wrong ways. Kira, any more uh, thoughts on this match? No, I was just going to say I'm really I don't buy uh, Sheeda either. I just I know she gets a lot of a lot of love off various quarters, but um, I just she strikes me as plain wrestling when I watch her. She's again a half speed wrestler. I just I just I don't buy whatsoever. So I don't not feeling she either. Mm. Uh, well, obviously we'll come to her very very shortly. But we do have one match in between, which is Sean Spears, Dustin Rhodes, and I actually thought Sean Spears. <laughs> This might be the first time I've praised him for anything. I think he's a shitty lower card heel. He's great. It's, it's the this is the perfect use of Sean Spears. Don't don't try any of the chairman nonsense. Don't try and make him seem any more important than he realistically is ever going to be. Because you know, at, at the end of the, at the end of the day, let's face it. Call him Sean Spears. Call him Ty Dunger. Everyone. He still has the stench of that sort of that WWE. E run, you know, he, he's not going to be seen as anything more than a sort of lower mid carder because of that. So for me, this this is the perfect use of him. A, a, a bit of a you know, a bit of shtick, a bit of comedy. It's one of those where, unlike some, I'm not, and maybe it's not always something I've conveyed very well on these podcasts. I'm not completely opposed to comedy in wrestling. It's just where that comedy is positioned, which is something we'll uh, we'll touch on later, but. In this circumstance, I, I think it was absolutely fine. It, it, it's a foil for, for Dustin to get a win as well. So I was perfectly happy with it. Yeah, I um, I kind of started to warm to him in this role when he's just at ringside being an, a, a moron over the last few weeks. But uh, 
him in this position, that kind of he did it. Yeah, when he's looking at the entranceway and then just the slow burn, shit eating grin to the to the camera that that's great. in the ring. That, that's was good. Good. that was good. That was good the, stuff. The sock suspenders deserve a, a tip of the cap as well. That was that was good. The the imprint of Tully's face on his crotch. Um, which, <laughs> which, 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 well. But I'm but I'm wondering if Tully would be overly thrilled with that. Um, <laughs> I and, thought like when, before the camera zoomed in, and like obviously I couldn't tell exactly what it was. I thought is this car falling out? Uh, yeah, there was a, there's a split <laughs> second. There's a split second where. Um, he gets Irish whipped into the ropes, and you just because the camera's far enough away, <laughs> there's just, just sort of there's this contrast of colour, isn't there? And you just think, wait a minute, oh no, no, we're okay, we're okay, everybody, <laughs> we're okay. Breathe easy, breathe easy. It's all going to be all right. Um, and and another bit like uh, when he's mouthing off, when he when he instructs uh, the ref to give the to do the count, and he says, you know, they're all wins, all the, all wins matter, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. That's that. <laughs> Yeah, a little shitty heel. That's 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 wonderful. Kieran? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. Um I laughed out loud at his ass crack and it Excalibur <laughs> when Excalibur was, was falling out of the ring as a crack in his game plan. That's like job for, <laughs> job for life for Excalibur. Um I, I the only thing that annoyed me was they did the close up on Tully's face and he got straight back in the ring and was beaten and it was no, the, the time on that the turnaround on that was wasn't right. Um, it needed to be you need a bit of separation before you go to the finish but it was um, I, I, I haven't got a problem with this match whatsoever it was fine yeah I was surprised uh, you know reading online afterwards people saying oh well you know whatever it was a throwaway in there it's, it's, not, it's like this is great because first of all who the fuck no offence to them because I like them both in their roles but I don't want to see Sean Spears and Dustin Rhodes 15 minutes in a, in a normal match like that's just that doesn't really entice me at the moment so I would much prefer them if they're going to do this match on pay-per-view to do this match this was ideal for the spot that it was in yeah it, it was a fine spot it you know we other matches of significance were given the time they needed and probably in some cases more time than they needed um so why the hell do you want to sit through an extra six seven minutes of that it was it was absolutely fine you know if if you didn't it's one of those if you didn't like it it's not enough to ruin a show sort of thing you know you no, you, of course you, not. You, you take it for what it is so we move now to hikaru shida beating nyla rose for the aw wins title which we just talked about previously this another match that's gotten a lot of praise um and i did like it i thought that it did a decent job especially at the end um of kind of building to shida kind of just you know knocking down the monster after, after a while there. It feels, it does feel like there's something missing for me when it comes to, to Sheed. I, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I don't know if there's... It feels like it's intensity to me. The, the intensity, is there a... Is, I, I'm, I'm always loath to put too much... I don't want to try and put too much stock in this, but is it, is it a personality thing? Is it just I, 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 like I get the sense of a personality... A, a personality of any description isn't really quite coming through to me. So it's, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it feels like there's something missing. And to that end, um, I don't think it was time to, to fell the monster. This feel, this feels too soon for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't dislike the match or anything. The match, the match was fine. You know, I enjoyed it for the most part, but this just, it, I thought it was too soon to beat, to beat Nyla Rose um for the belt which makes me beg the question and appreciating what's gone on recently i want to i want to 
broach this tactfully, well, as tactfully as as I can. <laughs> um, is this is it possible that this is one of those sort of decisions on the spur of the moment in light of what's happened over the last week? Uh, with with, with, um, with Hannah Kamora, yeah, yeah. With what's gone, I just I just wonder if I don't, I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that as a criticism at all. It's just I'm just thinking: is this one of those things where they people are thinking, look, it's it's been a crap time for everyone. This is sort of a real gut punch to family and friends and people who who, who knew who knew her and, and who knew Shad Gaspar as well. And I just I just wonder if it was one of those where they thought. Let, let's just let's have a positive finish in this match. Let's you know let's have something something good and positive from it. I feel like that was actually, with a couple of exceptions, a very that was very much the feeling I had about the whole show. To be honest, there were a lot more baby. But I was trying to like figure out like the wins and the losses. It was like you know it feels like there should be a lot of babyface wins, and then there are actually even more than I expected because I didn't think that Sheeta was going to win this. I thought this this felt like a good build-up for a challenger to Nyla Rose. And I don't know how much of this... We'll see. You know, time might tell. They might put the belt back on Rose. I kind of have a feeling I, they might. I, and I, I wonder I... how much of this is because I would be very surprised if the planned finish for the match on Dynamite was Nyla Rose pinning Hikaru Shida the oh. way they did. Because Chris no, Baker gets injured and it felt like an audible. And I wonder if this was kind of a response like, okay, well, if she loses twice, then she's fucked. But... If we do something here, then maybe we can go back. I don't know. Possibly, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if it was a. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if it was a quick turnaround and within three to four weeks the, the belt was was back on unnecessarily. Um, again, the, the, the finish, the finish in and of itself, in in a similar vein to to Archer. The the win is is quite conclusive. And and I and I just wonder if. Bearing in mind Nyla Rose is positioned as the monster within the division, is this the time at which you have her just beaten so cleanly? I wouldn't, but Kieran, what do you think? Um, I, yeah, well, first of all, I just don't, I don't buy Shida. Um, the push has been fine. Everyone talks about her great. The, she's protected great, but I just. I, I don't buy her as legit in the gimmick as this badass striker, blah blah. blah. Uh, she, she she's not stiff enough. She's not snug enough to to pull that off on me. Um, as a woman, you've got to go. It, it, it's even harder than it is for a man. Um, and you look at the, the girls who are good at it, like um, oh, Shayna Baszler. You know, people really good at the gimmick, and, and it's believable. Um, I don't buy Sheeta doing her gimmick whatsoever. Um, I, she just comes across like a phony wrestler. Um, uh, so so that's a big drawback for me. In terms of the finish, yeah, um, I don't know whether what, what the impetus was behind it. I mean, I wouldn't have slayed another beast on the same show. Um, and given that you've got no female challenges, I definitely wouldn't have jobbed neither out. But uh, we'll see. Um they, they, you know, they, they protected. They protected. Um, she just in, in their in their world. I guess they thought if, if she's over, then let's pay that off. So and they did do so. There's no real no real right or wrong in this one, other than long term booking. Probably, Nyla probably makes more sense. 
Yeah, I'd agree there. Nice little uh, kind of series of kind of set pieces throughout the match where they were kind of throwing it through the casino table and stuff like that and uh, diving through the big poker chip and things like that. That kind of kept the match entertaining, kept it moving along. Yeah, and since you mentioned it, Liam, if that's something I can just touch on quickly with regards to um, what we were discussing earlier and the feel of shows, that that's something that, and maybe it's only a little thing and maybe it's only me that it really matters to, but some, something like that to me, does make a difference to give something a different feel and it's it's one of the criticisms I've, I've had of wwe shows for a long time is the way that they've effectively in terms of a setting given up on anything feeling unique now when, when they have their their arena shows it's the same time it's the same ramp it's all exactly the same so just you know having having little aesthetic things like that i just think is a you know it's a good little addition it just give, gives things a, a slightly different vibe yeah, and that kind of permeates out the whole show too, because again, the the style of each match, there were never really two matches that were alike, it's back to back on the whole show, and I like the way that they do that. That's that's, that's a plus. Um, so yeah, again, good effort. I do think that Rose, I like Rose in her role. I think she's good. So I this this felt too quick to me, but we'll see where it goes. Um, now to the men's world title, John Moxley and Brody Lee, and this is another one that a lot of people have talked about beforehand. It's a match that felt too soon and probably not built up adequately uh, well enough. I'm not sure we'll talk about Brody, Mr. Brody Lee's character, I'm sure, in a second. Oh, yeah, but, I, I have things to say on that. Oh, yeah, and I, and I want to hear him. But I will say, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this match. I thought this match was really good. Like, really good. It, it Maybe it was too soon, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I enjoyed the match. Um, it didn't veer too far off into things that I, if just from a personal standpoint, things that I don't particularly enjoy that Moxley's known for, whether it's the tax or things like that. But I don't, I don't like to use the term garbage wrestling, but I'm struggling to think of a better term to use. So a Moxley match can sort of veer off into that, that sort of mode of not telling any sort of story and, and just stuff that just generally stuff I don't care for. Um, but I, I thought this was good. I I like the idea of the security at the start of the match to keep Moxley and Brody apart because Brody stolen the title. Um, and it was absolutely the, the right result. And again, it's a match where they, they made use of, of the surroundings, much like the women's match. Um, and on the whole, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Kieran? Yeah, I actually... Um, we'll take umbrage of your criticism of Mox um, because I think his his work as a world champion has been really. I know he's only had a couple of matches, um, but I think he's he's really interesting to watch his work. He, he, the, what he puts into his matches is really interesting. The match with Hager, I thought, was ruined by the decision to have Jr. do commentary on his own because first of all, stylistically, Jr. is not right for that anymore. And also, just needed again. It's you need you need you need audio distractions to distract the audience. Um, but I think that the work between him and Hague was really good, good, um, good wrestling, and it was really interesting to watch. Um, and so, so Moxley, as a as stylistically as a champion, I think is really stepping up to the plate. Well, um, well what I would, if I just quickly to come back back on that, if that's okay, it's just it's one of those where started so i'll let you finish thank you <laughs> <laughs> i think the best the best um 
the best example I can give in, in defense of what I'm trying to, to get across, I suppose, is is the Omega match. When it comes to AW, it's the Omega match. You know, I, I, I thought most of that was trash and didn't care for it at all. And not necessarily in AW, I suppose, um, but prior to his WWE run, um, and, and obviously long predating the, the, the championship stuff, Moxie does has had a habit of going into to the the just oh, the CZW style match for lack of a better term. The death. So match. yeah, the death. The death. Thank you. The death match is probably a better, better way to describe it. So I, I'm sort of you know, and and so I always what I sort of whether it's fair or not, I'm not sure. But I I always I always have that trepidation before a Moxley match starts that that, that that's the path it will take. I'd say that's absolutely fair based on how they presented the, the Omega match. Um, but I'd say since the stuff going for the title when he was training with Randy Couture and, you know, that's, they've really kind of, um, kind of slid that in subtly as the back door. That's like stylistically that that's what he does now. Um, I, yeah, I, I really like Moxie's work. So he's a uh, thumbs up for me. Yeah. He's kind of taken a bit of a hard right turn, maybe as a resource of the, uh, the kind of the feedback to that, the, Omega match where you know he did it for a lot of people and didn't do it for a lot of others. Brody Lee seems like he should be mentioned here. Um, again, brought into this position too quick, and I was I've, I've been kind of cold to this whole push and the whole Absolutely. Vince McMahon light thing. Absolutely, and I and I wonder if because he is one of those where when he was in when he was in WWE, I always sat and thought. Yeah, you know, as, as a as a shock to uh, to our loyal listeners, obviously, I didn't like uh, and continue to not like Bray Wyatt in in any incarnation. <laughs> um, and I I thought he was someone who I, I thought had a lot of upside, but was just completely misused. So as when he signed, I, I sort of yeah, you know, I got I got a bit excited. Oh, you know, let's 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 see now. Let's let's go off to the race a bit and see how this comes across, but. No, I, I I didn't care for the the whole dark order thing in the first instance, and so for him to be interjected into that and what basically becomes a McMahon parody, which most people don't care about the references, and it's just uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a more articulate way to describe, it, but it it's it's just crap. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it is, it, it's, it's, it's just crap because it's, it's that, it's that typical sort of, the, 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 the sort of, it's, it's like the TNA stuff at its worst when it talked about, when it, when it wanted to reference WWF and you'd have the new guy come in and, you know, the, the cast off who'd cut some sort of promo, um, disparaging the company and, and saying how things were going to be different, and obviously in in this instance they've tried to play off the the, the apparently the sneezing and the weakness and all that sort of thing. And I just think that's not going to, you know, that's not going to grab anyone, is it? That's that's not going to get anyone's attention. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing good from whether you want to root for the for the guy just because you you think he's got talent and think he should be better. And it's not it's not going to grab it. It's not going to grab your attention. If you want to get compelled in some sort of story, it just it comes across as just a com. It's uh, I'm really <laughs> I'm, I'm really struggling to articulate this, but it's just 
it's effectively he's effectively come in and it's a parody gimmick and i just think that's not that's not the way he should have been presented in the first instance and definitely not the way you should present someone if you're going to put him in there with moxley because moxley in the belt should be above that kieran if that makes sense to anyone thank you i think it did it made sense but what i will say is i don't i think you're putting emphasis on stuff that really they haven't done i mean well, they, well, they did vignettes with him with, yeah, with but, the most sick and... but it's it's not, it's when it's not a part of emotional ploy that this is to tune in to see his his latest dig at Vince McMahon it's I mean that's uh, that's a small obviously that's what he's doing but I mean I think that's if you watch the shows that's not really the impetus behind any of the drive it's it's, it's him more it's more him his representation of saying that Vince McMahon the way he presents his company his company's like a cult so I, I get that what I will say is Brody Lee's promo ability must be the most overrated thing in wrestling um I just don't see it. I hate the delivery. I this myth that he's some eloquent talker. I, I just, I, I he, de- he delivers Vince McMahon style promos for me. I fucking hate it. Um, in terms of the build, it's yeah, um, maybe two a two month a, a title shot two months after his debut. If it was in the normal environment um, with normal um, booking patterns um, and opportunities, then yeah, it might have been okay. But the fact was, you had six weeks when he was as basically debut vignettes because he was in the closed building and he was one of the few guys there. So he's there on his own um, with one of the jobber, it, it, and and then three weeks out before the pay per view, then you pull the trigger in a kind of in a backdoor way. It, it I, I, I let it slide because of the circumstances in which it bore out. Um, but that is the only way. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it was a poorly built. Few. It was poorly built and it was rushed. Uh, they, they still tried. I thought Moxie was very good in the role again. Um, but the, the believability behind the whole behind Brody taking the belt and getting into the spot that was what was missing. That that needs another three weeks before he got it, they got to where they wanted to go. Um, but yeah, I. I just, it's 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 out the way. If it's if it's just knock uh, stack them up and knock them down for for for, for Mox, then um, it, it, no harm no foul. Um, but not exactly perfect, of course not. So issues with the character aside, how much would you say this match went to kind of upping your opinion of Brody? Um, generally speaking, this well. The match didn't. Did the match change my perspective of him? Really, I, I would say his his general portrayal and to Kieran's point, his you know his his delivery of promos and things has done a lot more to sort of not. It's done a lot to sort of damage him in my eyes, and I, I wonder. It's got me sort of thinking along the lines of what I potentially thought he could be, maybe I'm completely wrong on that notion. And he's he, he hasn't got the upside that I thought he had. And maybe maybe Vince and the WWE were right on him. That that's sort of that's my that's been my general stance since he's come in. Um Are you another out of touch old man who wrote him off? 
it would well maybe uh maybe i am i don't know you know i'll go out inside and if there's a, if there's a few clouds after we finish recording i'll go and uh, go and yell at them uh and i'll avoid newspapers because they're angry up the blood but um <laughs> hey, hey. but no it's it's just it's it's one of those where i you know i, I sort of sit and think oh i quite like that guy i wonder i wonder if he could be used better and then i sit there and think now that I've seen him in this environment, I think actually, you know what? Yeah, probably that. Maybe there isn't an, an awful lot of upside to him, and, and whilst maybe he can be a bit better, there's there is a quite a natural ceiling on him that he's that he's never going to be better than. Um, I mean, the, put it this way, I enjoyed the match. Um, I'll be perfectly happy if this is a one and done. And to Kieran's point, it's, a, it's someone who was there to to knock him to be knocked down for Moxley. I, I certainly don't want to see him anywhere near the world title picture or any sort of continuation of a program. <laughs> Written off by Carl Jones. So I did like, again, I, the one thing I loved about the way they did this match was I thought the finish was really good. Obviously they're kind of brawling for the majority. Now they're, they kind of car crash spills all over the place, but the DDT through the stage, get in, Double on DDT, and he kicks out at one, and then Moxie just goes fucking ballistic with the knees and the elbows, looking like a real fight, drops him down again, and then eventually, you know, he kicks out again, he puts him in the choke, which, with Taz managing the next challenger, is quite nice, actually, inadvertently, I suppose, a real naked choke finish. But um, oh, which, can, we give them, give, can we give them some credit there and say maybe it's not inadvertent? I hope, I, I'd like to, <laughs> because they do tend to put a lot of thought into what they do. all the time, so. that's what makes it interesting. So I, actually, I totally think it was. Yeah, me too. So, uh, but I like that. And again, the, the pass out finish. I I did come away from this. I went in thinking I didn't like the character, and I came out thinking that there's hope for it. Not and who knows? Maybe from this point, if they go back and do the same thing again, then uh, they're going to get on a road to nowhere. But I actually liked that this feels. And again, maybe it's just the fact that he hasn't had a ton of time to find himself in whatever this is supposed to be. Um, it feels like this might play out better in time. I don't think he's a main event character, but there you go. Well, that's just just just, into, just if I'm going to say something that the, uh, the knock that he was underutilizing WWF WWE fucking not keep doing that. Um, it's true, but that doesn't mean not everyone's born to be a main eventer, and I think Brody Lee can do an absolutely really solid supporting up up a mid card job, um, which is an elevation of, of his previous role. Um, to be to be a valued part of the upper, upper mid card that just serves a functional purpose rather than being the star. Not everyone can be the star, so uh, he's, there's definitely a role for him. Yeah, agreed. So with that, the show takes a sharp, distinct turn into the uh, the Jags football stadium for the elite and the inner circle in a match that was much ballyhooed in the 24 hours prior, uh, prior to it as something that was really, really special, really, really unique and different. And this is going to be an interesting, the three of us with our different tastes in wrestling, I think this is going to be quite interesting because I'll say it now, and this might alienate some, some listeners, I hope not, but I fucking hated the Boneyard match at WrestleMania. Yep. And, and I hated the John Cena Bray Wyatt thing at WrestleMania. Yep. I'm, I, I am not a fan of cinematic wrestling the way it's been done i i was i was so stunned when i watched wrestlemania live i went on line afterwards and i couldn't believe the amount of positive feedback the boneyard match got because 
I, I was just, I was in disbelief. I've never felt so out of touch <laughs> with the with the well, current audience as I did well, when the reviews came in for that match because I just thought that it was and people were like it was great. It was one of the best things they've done in years. And I don't know what people liked about it other than it's this kind of rolling on this joke together. But I hate that. Yeah, it's one of those. It's oh, cheesy and it sucked. It's cringeworthy. When when I when I. And for our listeners, this is the first time that um, it's actually the first time that the three of us have actually been in any form of discussion with each other for quite some time. And definitely the first time that any of us have, have spoken to each other with regards to the Boneyard match or the uh, Firefly Fire Funhouse. Um, so what I would say is it reassures me, actually, Liam, to hear that that's your take on it, because I, you know, for a long time, I wonder if it was just me. And if I if I genuinely was, I'd just sort of become incredibly out of touch, and I, I've become the the old man that that yells at clouds because I I didn't care for either of them, and I just thought it, it was it was the the epitome of the Vince Wankathon. <laughs> when I when I watched them both, I just all I pictured throughout was beyond the mat and Vince sat there with a bottle of water with his smirk saying, well, really, it's an entree to what we're really about. We make movies. <laughs> you don't. You're a professional wrestling company, or at least you used to be. So <laughs> I, I, a pro wrestling company. Yeah. I, I hated both. And I must admit, I'm, I, let's, I'm not going to turn this into a complete sort of burial session. Um, so let's not name names as such, but the rank hypocrisy of certain individuals who went out of their way to praise the Boneyard match, who you just know a year ago would have slagged it off in the same way that um, I would imagine there are some people who, if the WWE presented what AEW presented with the stamp, stadium stampede would have slagged it off two years ago because it's the WWE. And, you know, I, I like to think our, our listeners can probably put two and two together and they know who I'm referring to. But I just, you know, the, the disingenuous nature of some people who would go out of their way to praise those two uh, WrestleMania matches sort of sticks in the crawl a little bit. And it's, it's just, there's an element to it where it's like, and hey, like I said, if you enjoyed it, I'm like, you know, by all means, go ahead. But I'm just saying from my own perspective, I just feel like maybe it's the tenor of the times and people just wanted something they could kind of like laugh along with or something like that. I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I really don't. It's not like I'm trying to uh, say that the people who liked it were dumb or anything like that. It's just I, I watched it and I just didn't, I couldn't believe the, the positive feedback. It just, like I said, but there were so many elements of it. I just thought like, this is like a WCW mini movie that is like historically awful. Oh yeah, you you throw the midget in there, and you're back at the beach in '93. Yeah, so Kieran, I I, I know that you had a similar uh, "thank God someone else says the same thing" type of moment when I when I texted you my opinion on that. Yeah, I I just um, I just the world has lost the ability to differentiate quality. Um, it staggers me; it really does. I could go on off on a, a random rant for a couple of hours on this. Um, the fundamental aspects of pro wrestling WWE ignores in any product they do the booking logic build interesting stories mid-match 
none of that happens in WWE anymore. It's everything is so formulaic and cliched and and trite and contrived. Everything they do, I, I have no interest in what they present in that format. It's so I just I can't stand this. I I hated those matches with a passion. Yeah, and and I do think it's worth saying that a lot of. Uh, and maybe this is just kind of a, a distinction thing of people not really, it's not their job to analyze this. So it's like, if you liked it, you liked it. But I think it's kind of important to understand why they liked it because there's, there's, there's something interesting there. And a lot of the people who do, who did watch WrestleMania are not people who watch raw, at least in the circle that I saw, they are people who are not regular religious loyal company viewers anymore because they're they're getting less and less of them but people will watch wrestlemania and if you watch and and that's kind of the culture that wwe's created by the way so i'm not criticizing the people who like the match necessarily i'm just saying that from my perspective i wonder if it's part of what has been cultivated by wwe where they have kind of run off the people who are passionate about the product to the degree now where the people who are left they're going to like anything. And the people who tune in once a year or just kind of keep tabs on stuff, um, but they've, they've lost their emotional connection to the WWE product now. So the things that would have pissed them off or they would have thought were stupid before, like the fact that AJ Styles just looked like a complete dickhead in that match and was just buried six feet, <laughs> literally six feet below the earth, but which just made them look like a complete idiot. And the, the, the horrible like dialogue and shit like that, and the druids coming out and getting waylaid in a karate fight. It's like... They probably you know, maybe at a time when they were really passionate about the product and passion and, and really gave a fuck about the week to week, that would have rankled them more in in the same way that you know some of the Booker T voodoo stuff or any of the nonsense with the boogeyman or any, any of the, the the famously bad stuff we've all seen over the years. Now that that passion for wrestling has been kind of beaten out of people by WWE specifically, I wonder if it is just that this is the result. People will now just see something in isolation with no passion and because they don't really give a fuck about that stuff anymore, they can just kind of enjoy it because it's standalone. It's only being built to appeal to them anyway. So, cause yeah, you have to be a diehard to, to understand or give a fuck the slightest fuck about John Cena coming out in an NWO t-shirt and the subtext that's supposed to have. It's just, I, like I said, I, I, I felt like I was surprised when people, Liked it so much, but I think it's important to understand why. But uh, having said that, and the reason I wanted to use that that big precursor and that big setup was because I fucking loved the stadium stampede. <laughs> I thought this was I thought this was everything that I thought people were saying about those other matches that I just didn't get and didn't see and thought was trash. With one exception in this match, I thought everything in this match was so enjoyable. I'd laugh my ass off. Sammy Guevara is a fucking gem. I, lo- I love this guy. He is like one of the MVPs of the promotion to me. And there was so much good about this match. There is one thing I didn't particularly care for, and I'm sure someone will bring it up. And if you don't, then I will. But uh, I'll throw this out. Kieran, I want to hear your thoughts first. Um, I, yeah, I was uh, a little bit worried given what I thought of quote-unquote cinematic matches so far um and matt hardy doesn't tread that line he moonwalks over it and then whips out his car and pisses all over said line which i do not like i think matt hardy is the potential to be 
the massive biggest scourge on AEW that they, they could possibly encounter. But that being said, apart from his spots, which were still funny and well done, um, I enjoyed pretty much everything else. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one I was kind of hinting at. Was the, the only thing I didn't like was the Matt Hardy transformation stuff, which is like, again, like everything else as silly and as wacky and as goofy and as comedic as it is, you can at least see happening. They didn't betray this. You know, like the Boneyard match where they had the, you know, fucking Metallica playing this take a writer's bike from 100 yards away, whatever it was. And like the way they film it with like just the, the wackiness with like, you know, the druids coming out of their fucking garden shed or whatever it was. <laughs> like, you know, and all that, the way that they do it, they produce it. And it, the whole point was to be overproduced. Like I said, I didn't like it. With this, the overproduction was stuff that like, like Jared, like the inner circle coming out with the football gear. And, and it's, then, it's then, funny. Here's number first, 27, just, Chris Jericho. Just as soon as I, as soon as I saw, um, as soon as I saw them coming out with the gear on, the first thing I thought of was the Raw Bowl in 96. <laughs> so that's exactly, that's, my mind just went straight to the Raw Bowl. But I love that, and I love the separate entrances. I love the, uh, you know, like the Braveheart scene where they just start charging at each other, and Santana throws a drop kick. It, like th- this is this is good stuff. Fucking Hangman Page comes in on the horse to chase Sammy away. It's, and again, it's there's plenty about this that's ridiculous. Plenty that is ridiculous. But the only thing that felt egregiously like out of place was the Matt Hardy transformation stuff. In the sense that that's just bullshit really like and i'm not saying that everything in wrestling has to be completely real but if you know i well, kind it, of do, it does kind of ride that line because this whole feud has been about the fact that they jack nick jackson's face in with a garage door so anything that kind of like bleeds away from that i i, I have kind of trouble reconciling it in my own head but that doesn't mean that i didn't enjoy the rest the rest of it was out and even the thing with hardy is and they're gonna have to find this the, the line with him over time Matt Hardy as a character is so much funnier when he is being his wacky self in the normal world rather than the world around him becoming this weird Matt Hardy world, if that makes sense. When he's, you know, just spouting one-liners to Santana and Ortiz, he's far more amusing than when he's transforming into uh, Damascus. It, 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 it's him as the abstract as opposed to part of the normal. Yeah. Or him, which... making, or him making it the normal, yeah. Um... But it ties I into mean, the editing for me. Sorry, Carl. It ties into the editing for me. You say with, with the the boneyard match and the Cena stuff. It's editing is used to draw attention to the gimmick that this is all wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't take it seriously, or look how much we're all in this together. Blah, do our bullshit. Whereas the Hardy stuff was the only time in this when that was the case. Um, the rest of the match editing was done to not to to, to mask stuff. Um, and hide tables falling over or people falling off tables. Um, <laughs> it wasn't done egregiously to look how much fun we can have. Oh, look at us taking the piss. That's what it is. It's taking the piss. Yes, and that's they, it. They, they only they only took the piss. They did it with Hardy, and uh, it, it could have been worse. I still prefer they wouldn't because, um, especially with that being the first segment when they go to the individual bits of the three segments at the end, when it all breaks down. Um, and it went so long. Um, I just, I mean, I guess once you're in it with Hardy, you kind of have to, but I, I wouldn't have done it to start. I mean, let's see, you don't have to do anything in wrestling. So I just, um, that, that, yeah, that's, that, for me, Hardy's the only time they really draw attention to this is a gimmick 
the rest is it was funny stuff so that's all good yeah and if, yeah, go ahead Carl I was going to say just as a in in terms sort of a, a a point with regards to theme and things it maybe I'm out on a limb here I don't know it just it's it feels like there's a there's a bit of muddled thinking when it comes to that to the to the stories surrounding all of this in the, in the base of to your point you've you've got the the attack on one of the jacksons which you know is, is you know fairly vivid by by wrestling stands in today's climate um and it's sort of it but it varies away from that into it has this sort of comedy shtick that sort of takes it away from sort of this heated feud and some things just sort of struck me as a bit odd in this in the same way that the like the video package for example that that to, to start it off Cody is all over those video packages and you yeah. just think you know he sort of he seemed he would seem in contrast to Hardy he would seem the natural fit well to me as, my... as, 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 as opposed to Matt as opposed to Matt Hardy well, I'd say to that is, I mean, this match was originally going to be blood and guts, so yeah, yeah, that's what the the it's 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 elongated build. Um, it sort on. of forms to me, it forms a bit of a bit of a disconnect. And and again, and again, maybe that's you know, may, maybe maybe I'm not being fair to them in 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 the sense of again the extenuating circumstances of a of a global pandemic. You know, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that. So I don't mean that to sound quite as trite as as it did there, but it's just yeah. Uh, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh in that sense. That's probably fair. Um, I I agree I agree with the the Hardy stuff. One thing I was going to ask about, and I'm I'm not going to go off on this big rant about sort of being outraged and that sort of thing, but I don't know when it was filmed, so I don't know how fair it would be to criticise them on this or not. Um, I mean, I, I don't like the the Hardy transformations as a rule of thumb, regardless, and part of that. Is, probably stems a lot from the fact that I just don't care for Matt Hardy and never have in in any guise, quite frankly. Um, so, you know, I, don't, I certainly don't want to see the TNA iteration of Matt Hardy in, in any circumstance. Um, so do they really have to do it with attempting to drown him? Is that really... I sort of wonder when, when this was filmed, do you think, could you not have done something else? Oh, in like this, like Gaspard death? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe it was filmed well in advance and that sort of thing. No, I think it was filmed the day before. I think no. it's one of those things where it probably didn't. Honestly, it didn't cross someone's mind, but it didn't cross my mind until after the show when I actually thought about it for a little while. And I think that people are probably going to give it a pass because they probably should, in the sense of you know that AEW has a track record where, unlike WWE, where they like WWE will like gladly take the low road. They'll gladly yeah, say yeah, that Eddie's yeah, in hell. Yeah, in, if in, a family in, member dies, it's getting brought up in a promo. Yeah, if, if, you know, got, they will road, take the low got, road yeah, got, all the time. Yeah, you've got Road Warrior Hawk and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, no, that's 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 probably fair. I mean, Whereas I can't think of an, of an instance where AEW's actually done anything that even hints at taking the low road on something like that seems like it's bad taste. Like no one, no heel to the best of my knowledge could a promo making fun of Jungle Boy for his dad being dead or anything like oh, that. No, I mean, no, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to accuse them of deliberately taking the low rod. I just think it, maybe it's something that could have maybe just sort of passed sort of quality control type of thing. Um, and, and, and again, maybe, maybe part of that's on me because it's, it's sort of colored by the fact that it involves Matt Hardy, perhaps. Um, I mean, gen, generally speaking, it, it's a difficult one for me because I, 
in the sense of I don't, to be honest, I I love Sammy Guevara and I and I I like the inner circle with the idea being that effectively they're Jericho's lackeys. Yeah, um, and and I think Guevara for the, for the for the most part has been great, but generally speaking, I, outside of outside of Guevara. Jericho and Page, I actually don't care for anyone else in the match or actively dislike them. <laughs> so, and maybe that's maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's not fair. But so, in that respect, to me, they're they're probably always going to be a little bit behind the eight ball, and and maybe that's just me being a dick. But you know, most of the stuff I hated, I hated the stuff with Matt Hardy. I hate the stuff with the drone. I can't stand it. Um, the rest of the time, actually, I was just—I was just quite bored, to be honest. <laughs> That's like the polar opposite of me and Kieran. There. I mean, you know, you sort of you—you you know, go into the booth and that sort of thing. I—I I, I can, I can see the humour in it, but it just doesn't. How can you not like just, the just, bar fight, Carl? That was surely just, written for you. <laughs> um, I—I I don't know. It just—it 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 just doesn't grab me. It doesn't grab me. I love I, the bar fight. <laughs> I love the bar fight of my old because that that came after Hardy, didn't it? And it's like, yeah. oh, why the fuck can they just have his section much shorter and elongate this one instead? Oh, I love the bar fight; it was great. The bar fight was amazing. Jericho, way, it was fantastic. No, hold on. It's the fucking bookshot Larry over Kenny's back. That was tremendous. <laughs> well, I must. I, I'm so, I felt a bit. Uh, I felt a bit sorry for Paige watching that in the sense of you. You kind of. The way that it's the way the the, the match unfolds, you sort of think, oh, Paige is getting off lightly. He's just sort of, you know, in theory, he's just rode around on a horse for half an hour, dicking around the looking for Sammy. Great. He's been absolutely fine. Uh, and then you see him taking a, a bump on the pool table and that sort of thing. And you just sort of, you know, you just sort of wins. You just, you know, you almost imagine feeling that, just in, trying to imagine how painful that must be. How about that backflip off the bar? That had to be, that had to really kind of appeal to you. We well getting the uh, getting the. Oh, uh, does that every Friday with that, night? <laughs> well, with, with that, with that in as well, because he, he's not got a, he's not got a lot to work with there. That, that's that's impressive. I mean, I, and and I, I'd like to say, I, I Paige is someone who I've I've really warmed to throughout the throughout, the throughout the course of the year. <laughs> I don't, don't go, don't go there, Liam. Don't go there just just because of the alcohol element. It's, you know. It's, no, but but he's but he's one of those where, yeah, we had he had a bit of a rep going in, and, and I sort of watched and thought, yeah, I don't really, you know, he's yeah, it's one of those where nothing he does is bad, nothing's offensive, but he's just something's missing, and at least sort of there's the the half sort of you know only half caring sort of cowboy type thing is. At least it, I feel like his sort of his natural personality's come to the front a bit, and like, you know, it always you can get behind someone then in that sense. Um, whereas early doors sort of winning the battle royal and, and and being the first to 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 go with Jericho for the belt just seemed a bit forced, or just sort of seemed a, a, a little bit out of place to me. I don't know, but um, but I will say that at one point I did think he was going to trip over those bloody. Uh, Pool balls. I thought he took a step back. I thought he was going to take a pratfall at one stage. I was waiting to see how they edited that out. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah. I got. We got to put this stampede match over, Kieran, because I, first of all, 
when the horse first appeared, it was hilarious. And and Sammy's just fucking brilliant running away. The, yeah, the action in the ring is, is Jericho throwing the flag on the play and then calling Aubrey a shitty ref. <laughs> oh, don't get, don't get wrong. I, I laughed at the you're a shitty ref remark. <laughs> the Northern Lights and spiking Sammy Guevara in the end zone. Uh, the, the the paint job over Jericho. There was just so many great little bits. And I thought that just when this was like, okay, it's getting there. Sammy's the only one. He's crawling along. What a great payoff this was. And the sprinklers come on. <laughs> and just fucking douse him. Yeah, and no. they hits him straight in the face. He t- he sells for all he's worth. And just when he thinks he's okay. And this is where I think Matt Hardy's hilarious in this kind of position. In the in the normal world. And all of a sudden, he hears the revving of the engine. And there's Kenny and Matt Hardy with that same fucking shitty looking grin on his face. <laughs> Ready to run him over again. I fucking died. It was and by the way, Kieran, by the way, if you want to watch that match again, if you didn't notice already, when they're chasing Sammy in the golf cart, watch Bryce Remsburg, your oh, boy, seen... on the side of the road. Oh, God. No, fair play to Bryce for looking like a dick on national TV and, <laughs> and, and changing up the joke. So, yeah. No, it was brilliant. I actually cried tears when the horse came out the first time just because you knew it was going to happen because when they were lined up, for the, obviously, Hangman, I saw... Um, Hardy was up next, and it's like, okay, well, that means Hangman's not there. So Hangman's coming out on a horse. That's fucking sweet. And they didn't come out. It's like, hmm, when's he coming out? And then the, the set with Sammy, it was, I cried physical tears when he got full gallop. Um, well, both of them, Sammy and the horse. Um, I was fucking crying physical tears. Um, and then to repeat the, the golf cart joke and still be funny, even funnier, actually. Oh, I know. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. And the fucking the, the, the sprinkler, the great the greatest call of JR's career. Bah, oh, it's a sprinkler. Bah, God, the poor Vesta can't buy a break. God, <laughs> genius. Loved it. So I thought I thought X's game plan cracking up joke was never going to get beaten, but it was beaten the same night. So well, that's, well, I was going to say that that's one that's to me that's one of the things again that the, the company does have going for it. It'll have a lot more than. Uh, than WWE doesn't, and that's the commentary. And you know, I, I, I don't know what your boy's opinion on this is. I, I, I stand by my dislike of um, Excalibur on the whole, but JR always gives it credibility. And um, despite what Shivani, well, I mean, gives it more credibility than any other commentator in the world. Um, you know, if, if if you want Michael Cole as a comparison, still, um, what a high bar. And, well, yeah, yeah. In fairness, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. Maybe I'm not quite selling this as well as I hoped I would. <laughs> um, okay, the okay, the best way I can describe then is it's a, it's a damn, it's a damn improvement, a big damn improvement in comparison. So I'm glad you brought the commentary, Carl. That's yeah, cut you off. This was that? actually something we wanted to touch on. Um, so your thoughts on commentary throughout the show, and then compared to his commentary in this match. I think, first of all, um, the one who's really stepped up in the last couple of months is Tony Schiavone. Because yes. when Schiavone, I... the first few months, I wasn't, I, I, li- I liked him. He, he added a nice kind of cadence, but I thought he didn't add anything qualitative to the product. He wasn't, um, he didn't feel as in touch with the product as I'd hoped, I wanted my commentators to be. That was, a, that was criticism of JR as well. But I think it almost seems like with Schiavone and this, to try and read the guy's psyche. It's like he's been around 
the offices while this is the shit's been going down the last two months. He's been doing commentary with Jericho the week before when he did it with Kenny and um, Cody, and he stepped up so much in terms of that thing I was saying before about in terms of production. The w, the the AW production, the the first thing that slapped me in the face the very first week is they were aware that you need it's the the, the crowd audience is a key. It's a, a dynamic and a key for the the audience at home it's a it's sensory um it's a loss of sensory stimulus to, to not have a crowd there and that for, for the audience at home so you've got there's more folk your attention is naturally more focused on the action so it's got to be better it's got to be snugger and the commentary's got to cover for the lack of audio sense sensation from the live crowd we have done the opposite as i said before by fucking turning up the, the ring mics to, to, to compensate the lack of sound um which is just horrible. So the first week was I noticed was the the AW guys were going out of their way with whether it be cuts to the the guys in the crowd or just cuts to or uh, the commentary working harder to, to to fill that kind of that, that that void of crowd noise. So first of all, they were doing they they were on a, a better um, avenue for me, better better road. And Shivani kind of taking the ball by the horns of that. Seems to have got a real confidence about the product and a, a more familiarity about the products. And he's, he's doing everything, obviously, on the, on the website and stuff as well, on YouTube. So he's, it's almost, maybe it's just his confidence, but he's, his, his relaying of the narrative um, throughout the show has improved so much. Um, JR, for me, I've struggled with JR since the start of AW because I, I felt he wasn't in touch with the product. He has improved massively in terms of that as well. Um, and the camaraderie, the rapport between the guys has improved as well. The, the timing between the guys, who covers what, that's improved a lot. X, obviously speech patterns are his biggest downside. And so the, the less X you get, the better. And again, with Shivani kind of stepping up, that's kind of improved as well. So I, I'm, it's a thumbs up for me in terms of the commentary. It's not perfect. It needs to get better, but it's, it's, going, it's, it's improving um, in, in the ways that I, <laughs> what I thought was wrong with it. So... Um, that's really all we can ask. I, I, it's massive improvement in terms of throughout the show. Um, Jr. This is something again you see on every show. It's Jr. His gimmick is to retain his credibility. So if he, something doesn't stick right, and he doesn't, I think he also does this. He, he kind of shows his shows himself up bullshitty in bullshitty examples he gives sometimes, um, but he struggles how does he interject himself into stuff he doesn't agree with he's, he's got better by just saying less and shivani's got better at covering for him when he says something shivani if it doesn't fit with or it seems like it's um degrading their own product shivani's got better at covering for him um so that generally that problem is has has, has dissipated a little bit um it's still there but jr's obviously aware of it like doing this match when it was stuff he didn't agree with, he didn't shit on it instantly. He's a bit more covert in the way he shits on things, and he tries to put it in the context of, hey, fuck's sake, Jim, you're getting paid by this company still, so put it over, which he seemed to forget that was his job at points. Um, and I think in this match, when stuff didn't fit right, he seemed com- more comfortable being able to accept that it's wacky pro wrestling. So... By being less pedantic, he's a lot more effective. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Shivani because there was um, it was it was probably some time ago now. In fairness, I um, there were a few weeks where 
for whatever reason, he wasn't used on the commentary. Um, whether it was whether it was Taz or, or, or sort of a two man team and that sort of thing, there were there were a few weeks where he wasn't there. And I think it was only then at that point I it sort of dawned on me. I kind of I miss Tony not being in the booth, and I think that he or he used to get a lot of flack from fans for the WCW run. You know, in the last in the last sort of twelve eighteen months when everything was hitting the fan. So of course the commentary was going to suffer as a as a byproduct of that anyway. And I feel that sometimes he. He unfairly gets a stigma, he, he, or he did sometimes unfairly get a stigma for the things he had to try and cover, which, as we've uh, discussed on reviews and things in the time, was quite the amount of horseshit that he had to try and cover. Um, so when he wasn't there those few weeks in AEW, I I missed him, and, and and when he is back, when I do hear him on commentary, I sort of sit and think. It just, for whatever it just it just feels right. It just feels right as as an as an AEW presentation. If Shivani's doing commentary, it it whether or not it completely gels um, might be another matter. Because I'm, I'm I'm never the biggest fan of a, of a three man booth anyway. But you know there there seems to be you know that it, it it seems to flow a lot more. And, and to Kieran's point that that's. There's definitely that rapport there and sort of a relationship there that that helps when when they're relaying things. Yeah, so I, I, I echo a lot of the feelings. I think that Shivani has done a fantastic job. Shivani, I think that it was kind of, I mean, I've been the, it might have been the first show with Jericho where you really notice that Shivani understands, and maybe he didn't at first, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, that, that the best way to play his role and it's like when he stepped up in the Jericho shows, it really felt like he's aware of what he's got to do. He knows when it's a three-man booth, he can't be talking incessantly. And I think that maybe he didn't want to step on Jim Ross's toes because I know that one of the things that we'd said in our criticisms of the past were that the commentators weren't doing a great job relaying the narrative of the promotion. Like the, the promotional, uh, the, the zeitgeist, Kieran, the word that me and you have used before, about the promotion that they were trying to get over. It felt like... Maybe Shivani didn't want to step on JR's toes, but JR wasn't doing it. And now well, JR was she... doing it a little bit more. And when he doesn't, Shivani's covering for it. Yeah. Well, is it she... fair to. Oh, sorry. Go on, Kieran. No, no, no. I was going to say it's, it, it, it was. I really noticed it. It was the. Because the first week they did these shows, he wasn't on commentary. He was ringside, wasn't he? Yeah. And that was still a fun show because they had Taz on there. And I've always. Taz does a fantastic job in this company. I think he just fits this company really well. He does. Um, and I, that, that worked better. And that actually, JR might not have even been there. I can't remember. Anyway, um, but I didn't miss Shivani, and I thought it's best without Shivani, because he did, he, at that point, he wasn't, his little interjections, he wasn't adding anything qualitative to, to, to the narrative of the show. He, 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 I, he, it did seem absolutely that he didn't want to tread on Jim Ross's shoes, but he wasn't adding anything when he did interject. But it, it, it almost it, the first week um, when he was with Kenny and Cody and they were struggling. Well, Cody was good, actually, but they were he was still they didn't know the role, didn't know the job. And he stepped up so much. He was incredible. Um, and, and it was just fuck it. Let's, I, I know I know how to do this. I did this for years. 
I can do it, so let's do it. And I think, yeah, he's, he's confident. In terms of the, purveying the narrative of storylines, he's improved so much, and that's so invaluable. Um, and I just, I, yeah, just as a team, they are, they, they, they have improved. And that's coming from Jesus Christ. They've been going less than a year, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's funny how we talk about Tony, uh, Tony sort of getting better as, as time's gone on. I wonder how much of that is linked to... Um, in a sense, just getting getting used to his role within the three man booth, if that makes sense. Because yeah, absolutely, absolutely. obviously obviously in the Nitro days, you know, if they had a three man team, it was sort of it's the at the pay per views, it's sort of Tony leading Dusty and Bobby in ninety six, and then as you go on, it's Tony leading Bobby and, and Tenay is the third man that's brought in. And I suppose in many respects when you start the promotion, he is in, in essence the third man to JR and Excalibur. And it's sort of him finding his, his, his feet within that, that context. And yeah. as, as the week's gone on, and to your point, Kieran, they have only been a, they have only been a team for a year. It, it takes some gelling and, you know, Shivani and Ross weren't together that frequently, even in their WCW days, you know, going back many moons. So, it, you know, it, it sort of, it takes, a takes some time to sort of, to find that niche and and to find your timing to find that sort of rhythm yeah. to to know the other person's speech patterns and know when that pause is there for you to interject yourself and vice versa. Well, especially when you consider that all three guys have been. I mean, when I said they've only been in a year, obviously two of them have been doing well. They've all been doing much longer, but they've all been play by play guys for very different companies. So it's going mm-hmm. from you got three individual play by play guys working for a fourth. Completely different company, so it's it's yeah, it's, there's going to be apprehension. So, but they've improved. So, you know, it's the one thing with WWE, they 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 don't pay off you sticking with and paying attention. So, uh, any company that's going to show signs of improvement, then yeah, that's something we haven't had for a long time. Absolutely. So to bring this back to the main event, the Stadium Stampede, the Elite win, the uh, Inner Circle apparently doing a pet rally on on Wednesday's Dynamite, so that'll be something to look forward to. Is that I Sting's did, debut? Uh, say again? Is that Sting's debut? You think, you think Sting's coming in? Oh, come on now. That baseball bat? Cody doing, yeah. a, sting, Cody doing a, sting, a stinger splash in the corner? It's a matter of time. Mm, maybe so. Um, I, I really hope it doesn't come TNA <laughs> completely. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought that. Oh, shit, that's been done. No one remembers those 10 years. <laughs> but again I, I loved the finish with the golf cart and the, and the, the ridiculous uh, one winged angel from 20 feet that's one thing I'll say again a difference when Dereese done their cinematic matches and they've done a big bump they've like jumped off and then they've done a camera cut which like then like yo they dive off and then they're like just lying on concrete suddenly <laughs> like oh you know like they've done those like wacky bits of uh, you know like when slide like of when, hand, if you will. Yeah, like we're like when Big Show threw Kurt Angle off the that set that once on a SmackDown, and he's on, on the floor with blood at the back of his head, which is not talked about much these days. But I vividly remember it, and yeah, you sort of because it was shit. Well, it, it it was shit, and it sort of insults your intelligence because Angle's back within a week, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's again, it's it's it, it's using it's using something that's taped with being taped is the gimmick that oh look at us look at the things we can do with this gimmick. It's camera cuts no don't that, that's you don't draw attention to the smoke and mirrors 
It's just it's fucking carny bullshit. Then. Yeah, you don't you don't want the neon lights. Oh no! Well, that, well that's the that, well that's WWE, isn't it? They are just a big mm-hmm. flashing neon dick sign. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, terrific. But yeah, overall, I could not say enough fun things about the Stadium Stampede. I love this match far more than, than any of the uh, cinematic efforts previously. The Matt Hardy spot aside, um, I thought everybody else did a fantastic job. I thought Kenny and Hangman were great in the bar. I thought Jericho is just tremendous. He's been great this whole time um, with his just ridiculous shenanigans. Uh, the books were good. Sammy Guevara is, to me, was the MVP of the whole thing. I love Guevara. Um but yeah, so that pretty oh, much... Come on, enough. Liam. Liam, the horse is the MVP. <laughs> you know what would have been even better? The only thing that I could could really nitpick was when they did the celebration at the end, when they all raised their hands, I would have loved if the horse just ran across the 50-yard line in the background. No one ever mentioned it. It just so, runs. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more just it sort of trot up behind them sort of thing. You just have a side on <laughs> just a side on of the horse behind them. So you've got the most of there. A side on of the horse that just sort of if you could if you coached it well enough, it trots up behind them, then turns sideways so it's facing the camera as well. And then you've got the fireworks going off at the back. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> That's terrific. Oh, I love it. So overall I was I, I really enjoyed the show. I know we've been critical at points, but I really did enjoy the show. The ladder match, foibles aside, it was enjoyable. MGF and Jungle Boy, high, high marks. Really enjoyed that match. Cody and Archer, very good. Uh, enjoyed Spears and Dustin, Rose and Sheeta. Marks and Brody Lee kind of out to, outkicked its coverage uh, that, you, that I think the, the storyline had kind of uh, forced it to have. And the stadium stampede. Covered, see what you did there. Yep, yep. <laughs> And the stadium stampede uh, was terrific. So I thoroughly enjoyed this show. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, in terms of like general feelings on the company, I've, I've very much soured on WWE over the last couple of years and barely track anything that's going on. I know, like, I, I know what is happening, but that's about it. I've never watched AEW. I watch every single week and I am constantly enthralled by what they're going to do next. So, uh, Carl, Kieran, I guess just to wrap this up, your thoughts on the company going in and coming out? Again, sort of echo my sentiments at the start of the show. I enjoyed most of it. I, you know, the the ladder match I wasn't overly keen on and 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 the main event I I'm not gonna go off on some dark track. It just it just wasn't to my tastes. Does that mean it's something that the company should be sort of burned in effigy? Absolutely not. A year in so far so good and I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they can do going forward when we return to some sort of sense of normality as well and they can sort of when they can get everyone involved again and they're sort of firing on all cylinders because if I if I am critical of them at times, it's only be, it's only because as homespun as this sounds, I give a shit and I'm <laughs> and I no and I but I'm I'm desperate for something good because in a similar vein to yourself, Liam, I've I gave up on WWE years ago and I sort of, I, I cast an eye over what's going on. I used to watch the big shows um, to give it some context. I haven't even seen all of mania yet. Yeah, me either. What, what are we two months on? And for me to say that to you guys, it, it may not be as clear to the people listening, but the notion of me saying two months after a mania, I haven't watched it all yet. You know, a couple of years ago, just would have seemed ludicrous. 
Yeah, agreed. Kieran? Uh, I enjoyed Double or Nothing. I thought it was... Um, I, I was entertained through uh, points through most of the matches. There was, there was, there was things I enjoyed. Um, I was... I, that, I mean, that does involve a bit of grading on the scale, which I think most people are doing too much with WWE so if they liked it because I, I said, you know, to, to echo your sentiments and what I think I said on the, the post, my epiphany about a year ago on the double or nothing uh, recap show last year. Yes. When the WWE has become a parody of a wrestling company, it's fundamentally does not make decisions that are, um, with the impetus on making money, how a traditional pro wrestling company would make it. Um, I won't go into too much detail on that, into that now because it's kind of a bit redundant, but I just, they don't book storylines, characters, individuals, or matches, content of matches with any kind of intellectual stimulation for the, for the viewer and you're insulted for watching and paying attention to WWE product. You're not rewarded. And I just, I can't, I can't stomach that. I actually hate that. I, it's, 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 there's, there's no value in, in their product whatsoever in terms of professional wrestling, uh, traditional pro wrestling company. AEW consistently make decisions with the intention of building characters, feuds and their company. And I enjoy watching them, make decisions i enjoy them going through the process i enjoy being taken on the journey where they're going to take me because when you're coming up with the winds you know predictions for double or nothing it's this car could go one of two massive directions and it's all kind of related down the line and it's not drawn attention to yet but it will be and i love that it it it, it creativity stimulates creativity and it's i i am creatively stimulated watching AEW in that and that's that's given me something back which WWE has driven out of the pro wrestling industry. and So for that, you know, any pro wrestling fan should want AEW to do well. But more importantly, they deserve um, good kudos because of, of the product they put out there. Um, a year in, they've got improvements have been made pretty much throughout the company. Um, decisions they made, which they, I wouldn't have made myself, at various points, particularly near the start, they've improved upon, they've gone away from. Things that are wrong, they try and improve. Um, if it, Okay, it's, it doesn't all work, but if something doesn't work, they'll change it up in a normally coherent manner. I mean, the, the only storyline which we can say they've absolutely cut the balls off and run away from was the Nightmare Collective, which we can all agree was a right decision. And absolutely. <laughs> So 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 let's not say they didn't pay that off because they paid it off enough and moved on with their lives as quickly as they should have. Again, a correct decision. Um, people in the right positions, um, highlighting strengths and hiding weaknesses. They do a lot of good stuff. Um, so it's a massive thumbs up and a lot of goodwill from me. And I'll continue to watch a product because more than being a fan, I as well as being a supporter, I'm a fan of their product. I'm a, I'm a supporter because I'm a fan. So, um, yeah, big thing, big thumbs up and, and, and well wishes from me. 
<laughs> and on that terrific note, we're going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, but I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to wish everybody well. And uh, we will be back again soon. So, for Carl Jones. Take it easy, everyone. And for Kieran O'Rourke. I would say stay home, stay safe, but I can't, so fuck y'all. <laughs> I am Liam O'Rourke and we are out of here. Talk to you guys soon. so Many could understand it. These skills out of the planet. Be careful of my philanthropy. The future is mine. Taking it all by design. Knowing so much on the line. Guevara. Send me Guevara. It's my time just to take flight.